Well, good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week, a bit later in the program. We've got a couple of our interesting business tips from the Harvard Business Review. We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis from Ideation of Work about looking at change in a different way but also looking at uh, things slightly differently. We're going to have a chat with John Woodward from Hunter Mediation Services about alternative dispute resolution. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. And yourself? I'm well. And your, and your change to mediation is uh, working well for you? It is indeed, Julian. <laughs> it's, um, it's a very interesting and exciting career move for me, so um, I'm looking forward to being in, engaged in it. So, so that's what we're talking about with alternative dispute resolution, is it? That's the generic um, name for uh, really for a range of um, solutions that people can select in an effort to try and resolve disputes without um, recourse to the um, rigours of litigation going to court. So, so I be- um, sorry, I was going to. I believe that this is now being enforced by, by in some uh, litigation circles. Yes, it is. Um, in most of the uh, most of the court systems now throughout Australia, actually, are mandating that people um, do their best to try to resolve um, disputes, commercial disputes. Um, before they uh, actually go into defended hearings of cases. So it's often used as a what's known as a case management tool so that the courts can be satisfied that the only matters that they have to consider are those matters which are really intractable disputes and not able to be resolved otherwise. And, of course, there's, a, there's considerable commercial advantage in people um, seeking to... Um, get to the substance of what the dispute's all about and deal with it in a problem-based manner rather than just uh, throwing their lot in to, um, you know, have a, a, yeah. a, a long, drawn-out, expensive battle in court. Is one of the reasons about this, I know it's going to save people considerable money, but uh, is it because the court system is down, bogged down a little bit? Well, it certainly has. Um, that's certainly been a problem. It's been one of the driving factors, I think, um, from the court's um, perspective. But, of course, um, just from the, the, the uh, point of view of people who are involved in commercial enterprise, business people and so on, they, they don't want to be um, caught up in uh, costly litigation, which is going to cost them a lot in terms of money and, and distract them from the business that they're trying to, to manage. And uh, cause them heartache and, and relationship breakdowns with with um, with other people in business and and with their customers and with their suppliers. What they what they really um, have an interest in doing is is getting to the substance of what the dispute is about. Um, sitting down with necessary with the uh, assistance of a, a mediator or some third party intermediary. Um, going through the issue and and coming to a sensible resolution that sees everybody walk out of it um, with with some wins, yeah. um, which we, and and, and uh, being able to do so in an environment that's confidential, um, so that they don't have to uh, air their dirty linen um, in a public way, which is what happens when you go to court. Uh, um, 
And I believe that uh, some, a lot of this is now entering actually into the contracts arrangements. Well, um, that's uh, that's that's so. That's that's right. Um, a lot of people these days, and particularly uh, as uh, we spoke about a little earlier, um, people in um, in partnerships and long-term business partnerships, and 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 also particularly in the construction industry where you've got ongoing. Um, obligations of both parties to the contract need to be arranged in a way that if there is a dispute um, mid midstream through the project, uh, the, the world is not going to stop while they all run off to court and get try and get a result. That the, the, the people can keep working, um, and um, they have provision in the agreement that says that they will resort to um, mediation or some other form of dispute resolution to try and get these things resolved amicably. Um, so that the project can continue and, and everybody uh, preserves their position. So, so the obvious savings of, uh, or benefits of mediation would be uh, cost saving considerably and and relationship building. Cost saving and relationship preservation. I'd, I'd yeah. um, prefer to speak about. I mean, it it really is an important thing for people in business to be able to stay in business and, and not to have their business relationships destroyed because they've had one dispute about some particular matter um, and uh, where going to court can often mean that that relationship comes to an end and, and that's not really to anybody's benefit, particularly if they've enjoyed a productive business relationship in the past. Um, and, it, you know, mediation is something that can be utilised at all levels of business Management. It can be. Uh, it, it, it's not only uh, useful in disputes between different uh, businesses, but it's it, it can be useful in people's relationships with their own employees. So you, you can do it at the personal level. Um, relationships between employees that are disruptive in the workplace can be resolved by mediation. So it's a really quite a quite an extraordinarily diverse. A range of uses. It's done at the international level between governments and uh, uh, large international corporations, and it can be done between individual people who are in conflict with each other and causing disharmony um, in a workplace or other um, business environment. Now, now you're saying off air that uh, in the Hunter it's taking a little bit longer to accept mediation than perhaps in Sydney or other places. Well, well, that's that's my personal experience. Yeah. I, um, I, I'm, in fact, I'm doing some research into that, that very subject um, through the University of New South Wales. Um, but it just seems to me to be that we're a little bit slower off the mark here. Um, uh, one of the things that I do um, in my life's work is to um, adjudicate cases um, under the arbitration system through the courts. And I, I sometimes wonder when I'm hearing cases... Um, about which I have to make a determination whether sometimes the disputes that come before me uh, might not have been more productively resolved by mediation. Yeah. Mm. Um, so um, I think I think I think there is room for improvement um, in our region. I think people can embrace the, the idea uh, more um, enthusiastically, and I think uh, possibly it's the case that it just isn't widely enough known. Um, uh, whether the legal profession um, has not perhaps embraced it as, 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 mm. firm, as you know, strongly as, as we should um, is another another question. But that there is a lot of work being done to try and get the message out there and to um, 
uh, keep people up to speed with developments that are happening in the world of alternative dispute resolution. Well, we'll, we'll keep pushing that with uh, our way of getting the message out there and uh, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks' time and take this subject a little bit further. That'll be great, Julian. It's great to talk to you. Uh, great to you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. John Woodward there from the Hunter Mediation Services. The value of mediation and obviously... Time and money is important to us in business. You're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURA FM 103.7. It's 23 minutes past one. Time to go to our resident daydreamer, Christina Sikiatis. <laughs> like like that? that? That's great. Thank you. I think last, last week I was a, a dream a, a, angel. Innovation <laughs> angel. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm liking this. This is great, Julian. Thank I'll, you. I try to fit the songs into uh, our theme. And our uh, theme yeah, today excellent. is we're looking at, I mean, there's a large number of organisations, both public and private, that are being affected by cuts in government uh, funding. Uh, so we're going to look at change a little bit differently. Yeah, and, and it's it's not a brand new discussion, I guess. We've mentioned bits and pieces of it before. Um, but in, in as we've discussed, when you cut and you cut and you cut, there's only so many things you can cut before you've got nothing left to cut, yes. and therefore you're, you're closing doors. Um, and I've never understood the whole thing about the more you know. I mean, you, the more people you put out on the street and unemployed, the less money you've got travelling around the economy. But there are economists that obviously know much more about that than I do. Um, but just looking at change differently, and we have mentioned um, this company before, but uh, Semco from Brazil, and if, if people want to Google the caring capitalist, they'll find information about, um, about Ricardo Semler and his mm-hmm. company Semco. Mm-hmm. But they did change things differently, Julian. They, instead, of, um, instead of losing jobs and everything when the company was going um, backwards, if you like, uh, Ricardo Semler came in and said, OK, what we're going to do is, if everybody can stand it, we'll, we'll pay you for four days instead of five while we turn the company around. Otherwise, our only other alternative is to lose staff. So the company, the, the staff accepted that. And then they, he reorganised the whole staff by empowering them to make their own decisions after that. So he changed the, the whole culture of the of the company um, and had it so that they were doing their own hiring, their own firing, they were buying their own um, machinery they were and, and furnishings. They were saying what days they would come in. They would job share according to what they wanted to do. They, there were no set desks, et cetera. All the, all the things that we have mentioned um, in the past in various degrees. The, the beauty of um, similar is, I mean, these, these things happened... Uh, around 1995, yeah. ABC went and did a follow-up interview with um, with him some years later to find out whether it had worked or not. And surprise, surprise, most of the changes he had made had worked. Yeah. He said everything, of course, hasn't worked 100%. He said, but these changes have worked. So if we take that into the situations that are happening around us now, I mean, what would it be if, if there was a 5% reduction across the board in wages for a little while while a company found its feet again? What would happen if, if different staff members were empowered to create their own different rosters um, that served the purposes for cost cuttings or, you know, um, what, are, what are we calling it these days, making essential um, essential uh, findings or, or I can't remember the terminology, but whatever it is to... What if we were in charge of making them and we were empowered um, to make small changes instead of the radical changes that lead to, uh, you know, at the end, a, a downward spiralling motion? Yeah, he actually uh, set up like little businesses within the main business, didn't he? So they, everyone was like running us their own small businesses. Yeah, he did. 
he had he had people in charge of little areas, and they yeah. had their own budget, they had their own control, um, and and you know it, it it really was an amazing outcome. If you have a look at the the follow up interviews, which I'm now finding as interesting as the original um, the original uh, concept everything that went on to it, yeah, it's amazing how much of it works. It wasn't just Tuesday. It wasn't just you know this sounds good for camera and everything else. It was a real program that worked and got real results in the long run. I have to say I haven't looked at it since the uh, since it was originally set up, so I must go and have a look and see that myself. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was ABC. I think it was Late Line that um, okay. that did the follow up, or, or uh, the seven thirty. Oh, actually, it was the seven thirty report did the follow up. It's a great mm. interview with him. It's really, it's really worthwhile having a look at. Maybe we should follow that one up on another program. Oh, we can. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to happy to expand yeah. on the on the follow ups and the bits that he did say worked and the bits that he said you know could have could have been done a bit differently. And he, you know, I mean, it's you're not. Gonna, I think Bob Dylan said it once. You're not going to make 100 percent of the people happy 100 percent of the time. No. But let me tell you, they made a they really turned that business around from a from a business that was losing money um, to a business that's now a you know a multi million dollar organisation. Again, all right. Well, thanks very much for your time, Christina. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Thanks, Julian. I look forward to it. Have I look forward to my identity next week. That'll yeah, be great. Well, it depends what the song is, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Christina Sikiaz is there with uh, Looking at Change Differently. Well, we've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips, and and it's interesting that uh, both of them fit in very nicely with that discussion we've just had with Christina. The first one is to encourage your team to take more risks. Innovation requires a tolerance for risk-taking and learning from failure, yet many companies still have risk-adverse cultures. Break out of this and create an environment that is more conducive to innovation by being more explicit about what risk-taking really means. Firstly, define smart risk. Distinguish the areas where risk is encouraged and where it is not. For example, you want, uh, you want minimise execution risk regarding customer commitments, but more discovery risk in developing new solutions to a customer's problems. Secondly, use the right words. Terms like experiment or scouting mission as opposed to successful versus unsuccessful project. Signal a more open attitude toward risk. And thirdly, establish clear phrases for funding projects. Stop providing blank checks. Fund each project in clearly defined phases. If it passes one phase, give it additional funding. So some interesting comments there because risk obviously does lead to innovation. And uh, another one that's uh, in context with that from the Harvard Business Review, past successes can be a decision-making trap. One of the most common habits that leads to terrible decisions is remaining locked in the past. We rely on the same old data or processes for failing to understand that they may be based on assumptions that are no longer true. It's important to keep those base assumptions in mind when applying the tried and true. Question the data and processes you've used to and ask whether they can be updated or improved. Just because they worked in the past doesn't mean they'll work in the future. If you continue to do this, you can avoid the stuck-in-the-past pitfall and become more effective decision-maker. And let's just look at the last one here. Resolve a conflict at work. When conflict flares up at work, it may seem easier to avoid the other person involved. But this isn't a good idea. Unresolved matters nag at you and hurt your productivity. To repair the relationship, start by recognising your own culpability. 
have you exacerbated the problem somehow? Then clear the air. Sometimes our work styles have been a little different. Let's make this collaboration more productive by brainstorming how we can work together well. Think about the dynamic. Are you pulling where she or he is pushing? And change what isn't working. Then don't let this resolution disintegrate by falling into your old patterns. So some interesting comments and they all sort of fitted in with what we talked about today and that was mediation and resolving those differences whether they be at work or in our personal lives. Well thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at that mediation and we've looked at looking at change in a different way. In a moment Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week we'll have our Minute on Innovation with Christina. Have a look at some more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again at the same time for Business, the Law and You. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Albert Einstein once said, anger dwells only in the bosom of fools.